Welcome to the very uh, the latest, and it is the latest tonight because it comes straight after the Arsenal game. The uh, the Forever Blue podcast, which is supported by D&W Cars, which is a car dealership in uh, Castleton near Rochdale. Uh, fantastic people. I'm going to go and see them tomorrow, actually, and uh, I've been there before. Lovely place, genuine guy. Stu, who's one of the co-owners, is a City fan, and he's right behind what we're doing, which I thank him for. And they're really genuine people. So, you know, when you have that dodgy thing where you're thinking, where do I get a car from? Who can I trust? Well, actually, one of the guests on tonight's podcast might have something to say about that. But, but generally, you can go to D&W Cars, and I'm, su- I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll support me in this. Uh, so thanks to them. And tonight, uh, we're at a different venue. We're actually at the uh, Clayton Conservative Club, of which one of our guests is actually the chairman of the sports club here. So perhaps you should start, Mr... Uh, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Carman. <laughs> yeah, I'm Paul, uh, owner of Prestige Car Repairs. So if you do have a problem with your car, come and see me. If it's that bad, I can't fix it. Go and see DW Cars. That's what you need. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm the uh, I'm the also the chairman of the Clayton Supporters Club, and so we're, uh, I'd, I'd like to thank the uh, Steve Hayden for the uh, letting us use the facilities tonight. My name's Adam. I'm owner of absolutely nothing. Um, pretty much, pretty much broke. But you know, I'm a city fan. I, I can afford my season ticket, which is good enough. And it's pretty much shirt. all you we can do. Shirt. And the shirt I own as well, the away kit uh, of the season. Um, very happy with tonight's result and uh, looking forward to chasing down that title with Liverpool. Uh, I'm Emily, and you've obviously probably heard me many times before, so I won't go on about where I've been, what I've done, and everything. But the main thing is, I'm a city fan. Uh, I have been for as long as I've ever known and I will continue to be and we do have history and I'm fuming. (laughs) You're fuming but you're going to have to explain why you're fuming in a minute but let's start hopefully with the non-fuming bit of this which is City have just beaten Arsenal 3-1 um, the second half performance particularly I thought was was actually back to City being at their best yeah. um, certainly the second goal and that weighted ball through from Gundogan which I thought was magnificent and sometimes Gundogan gets a bit of stick and I yeah, think he deserves absolutely. a bit of credit for that um, there are obviously other elements to that as well but a great goal Sergio Aguero is going to get all the headlines with a hat trick one of which looks as if it went in you might not have seen this yet but off his arm oh, but didn't. certainly no. if it did touch his arm which it looks like it did. I don't think he knew much about it. It certainly wasn't a deliberate action. But saying that, um, you know, there was also a penalty shout in the first half, which, again, I've watched the replay of, and it was a blatant penalty and the City like would have gone 2-0. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've seen yeah. the replay, all trust me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a lot of things there that, that um, <clears throat> are positives. Um, uh, and I think City showed their metal again. Now, that said, and I don't want to sound negative saying this, but I always fancied against Arsenal it was the perfect opposition to play against yeah. because they're not route one, they're not a big bullying team, they try and play football. They've got a soft and... underbelly, haven't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you can say that as well. But yeah. certainly, you know, they're a different type of team than Newcastle are, maybe a different type of team than Everton will be. So of all the teams that you wanted to play next, actually, if I could have handpicked somebody, I'd have said, well, perhaps a top six side to, to give you the motivation. And then of those, maybe Arsenal would be ideal. So it's all worked out well. So... I know you're fuming, Emily, and you can come back to why you're fuming in a minute, but you must be all delighted with that performance. Yeah, of course, it goes without saying, but, I mean, there was part of me uh, about 35 minutes into the first half where I kind of thought it's it's looking a bit like first goal syndrome. So we've seen it a few times this season where we get a really early goal um, and we kind of, it was a lapse in concentration and they scored and I was thinking to myself, mm, you know, there was a few passes going astray. 
and we didn't look brilliant the first half and I'm sure everybody will admit that here uh, but when that goal went in before the, before um, half time I was just massively relieved and then the second half we looked like a different side for yeah. me we looked totally in control they offered nothing whatsoever um, they're not the Arsenal that they were and I don't know if they ever will be um, it would have been a different story if they were but the, the, I, I, I was never afraid oh, she's, of them you can tell she's angry can't you still she I, I can see she's seething she was trying but, to get round to it then wasn't um, she no I'm not no I'm just but, um, but it, we look comfortable we look competent and we looked much better in the second half um, and it, it proved to be a comfortable win in the end yeah I agree that it was it was a lot of concentration for the goal, but I didn't feel like we were co as complacent as we were. I keep saying complacent. I've said it so many times in the last word. It's done my head in so much. But yeah, um, I didn't feel like it was the same story as it was against Newcastle, against Crystal Palace, against Leicester. I didn't feel like that when we conceded that goal, we were still on top. And it was just a, a, that tiny little lapse of concentration. And I, I did still feel confident at that point. Obviously, after the next 10 minutes, you're thinking, are we going to do it? Are we going to fall apart? But then after that, we did pick it up. Um, and I didn't feel like when we conceded that goal that we would have conceded it when it actually happened. That I felt mm. like we, you know, we were on top. So it, I didn't see it coming. Whereas when the Newcastle goal went in, when Palace went forward, or when uh, and Leicester did too, it I was, felt like it was going to come. It was, it was in the pipeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was on the cards. Mm. But uh, today it didn't, and I felt like we continued after the goal like we did before it, and. Uh, we got that when we needed, and we do. We know, you know, the, this game and the next two games in the next week, Everton and Chelsea. We need to get the maximum points. We're going to play before Liverpool in um, how many of those games? We're going to play. Well, certainly on Wednesday, oh, we're going to play when when they're not going to play, and then um, we've, we've got the Chelsea games. So we've got to make sure we get those points when we do. And just pile that pressure on because we know what Liverpool are like. They can bottle it, and there's a lot of people that say they will. We don't know if they will or not, but we know that we, if we keep winning games, it's going to pile that pressure on. on. And they've, the they've got to be... If they, if they <clears> carry on winning like they're going to do, then they deserve the title. If, they, if we're going to keep winning and they're going to keep winning, they deserve it and fair play to them. So yeah. we've got to keep doing what we can Absolutely. do. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, when we scored early on again, I thought, oh, we go Groundhog Day again. I had I had a, I got lambasted by somebody on Twitter this week by saying that can't be unusual. No, Paul. no, it's not. <laughs> he was a fellow City fan though. That's what I couldn't get. It was one of the scouts. It was a fellow City fan, and 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 I said we scored too early, and he said that's absolute rubbish. How can you score too early? Well, it's a psychological thing because you've come out, you've scored, you and then you, you automatically do sit back and yeah. quit. Anybody says you sit back, they come back into the game, and it's the plan we had set out. To, to build the play up and all this has gone out the window. Yeah. So did that happen today? Do you think? I think it did a little bit. I think we scored, we scored very quickly again. I, I managed to get in the ground just to be able to see it. I'm normally not in that team. Um, but yeah, we, we scored a little bit early and, and and I just thought, oh, here we go again. And when they equalised, I, I just looked to my mate and and I said, oh, it's, it's Newcastle. But like you said, we we were we were on top more. We yeah. didn't look like. The old city. We, we did on Wednesday. We looked like the old city from the Stuart Pearce era, didn't we? Yeah. You know. Yeah. But at least we looked. We were stringing passes together. It just wasn't coming off. Sterling struggled today. Yeah. And I, I think that's because that. he was given too much time on the ball. If that sounds stupid. I thought oh. today would have been a perfect game for Sane. I Absolutely. It was, it was crying out for him. There was so there was so much space for him to be yeah. able to run into. It would have been perfect for him. But Sterling, he, he had to, when he's got too much time on the ball to think about things. Yeah. I don't think he's as good. I think when you've got like a, a player that's coming at him and not standing off, yeah. 
I think, and he's just got to do something spur the moment. He's brilliant. Natural but, instinct, yeah. yeah. Instinct but when he's got player, to yeah. think about putting a cross in, and, and he, I don't think he's half the player, to be honest. Well, obviously, the reason he did that was because he was playing Bernardo Silva on the right, so then Sterling, by default, goes to the left-hand yeah. side, and that's why Sane's been left out. So are you? would you have kept Sterling and Sane? Would you have played Bernardo more in the middle? Mm. What would you have done then differently? Having seen what I saw today... Obviously, it's a benefit of hindsight, so it's easy to say. But again, we won, didn't we? Three-one against Arsenal, so that's not too bad, is it? But if being critical, I would have played Sani. Um, I'd have probably, I would even swapped it after twenty minutes or something because he just wasn't getting anything, Sterling. I do see why we play Gundogan and Fernandinho because Gundogan has that ability to come back more than Bernardo does. Obviously, Bernardo's yeah. great going forward. We know he is. He's more like a David Silva-type player. But we know that Gundogan can sit back and when Fernandinho drops into that back four, Gundogan can then play that role where he's, he's firefighting, he's stopping those counter-attacks because we know Arsenal are really good on that counter-attack. He's counter always got a good pass in him, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. We, turned, we, we knew that today. We did. Exactly. We did. But it feels like that was the right decision for me. When I, saw, when I initially saw it, I was thinking that's actually a good decision because we know what Arsenal are capable of mm. and we know that when Fernandinho drops into that back four, we've got a bit of an issue in terms of counter-attacking. So I thought with Gundogan playing there, it meant obviously that Bernardo couldn't and Bernardo has been great over the last couple of months so it means that he probably deserves a start, a place in the starting lineup. Yeah. And when he actually played there today, I was looking, he was on my side for the first half attacking the goal and I thought, wow, as soon as he got the ball, He's going straight down the wing. He's either giving it to De Bruyne, who's then crossing it in, or he's pointing it in himself. And that's what you want. He wasn't that good wide last season for me. I didn't feel like he was that good. But when you saw him tonight, you think, wow, what a player yeah. he is. He can play yeah, in the yeah. centre, he can play out wide. And he did that job perfectly because every time I saw the ball go down the other side to Sterling, it wasn't really happening in the first half. No. Nope. Slowed right down. Yeah, it? it was slowed right down. But as soon as Bernardo got the ball, it was straight in the box and there was a chance created. I know Sterling got the two assists, I think. Yeah. Um, which obviously sort of knocks out my point. But when you look at when if you forget about stats, <laughs> like I tend to do every now and yeah, again after yeah. a few beers, then you, you, you look about the actual game and, and how many chances Bernardo actually created and how many times he got that ball into the box, particularly in the first half of where I was. It showed that that decision was the right one, um, particularly considering the centre of the field with uh, with Gundogan in there because we might have conceded a few more goals without Gundogan being there in the first yeah. place. I mean, obviously break. selected a team there that was very different than we were at, certainly I would have predicted. Fernandinho yeah. starts the game in central defence alongside Otamendi and Laporte's on the left-hand side as a left full-back. Uh, and obviously in possession, Fernandinho moves forward and it ends up being effectively three at the back. Mm. So I get that, I get the flexibility, and yeah. uh, but... You know, we talk about Fernandinho playing every game and how old he is and, and you know, can he cope with, with the rigours and there's another game in midweek and another game next weekend that are all big games. And my worry about that, not that who am I to question Pep, but my worry is that you're asking Fernandinho actually to cover more ground because it, when he's plonked in front of the back four... I'm not saying he doesn't run around. Of course he runs around. But when he's also having to slot into centre-half and have his mind on both midfield duties and centre-back duties, you're giving him more to think about and more, more running to do. Mm-hmm. And as brilliant as he is, and as much as I love him, I must admit that concerned me a little bit. And would, and so from that, I suppose, would you do that at Everton? Would you do that against Chelsea? Or was that specific for Arsenal? 
I think it was specific yeah. for Arsenal. I do think he attacks every Definitely. game specific. Yeah. You know, he says that we, we play the same way against every team and we, we always try to do the same thing. But we do notice that there's tweaks in every every game and everywhere that we do. Yeah. It's a big tweak. <laughs> yeah. So he says that we play the same way, but actually we don't really. We play the same style. We always pass the ball. We always Just try and move so it around. Move the opposition, yeah. as he says. Not move the ball, move the opposition around and make sure that we can get the ball forward. But really... He does consider the opposition. He analyses it a lot. Yeah. We know that yeah. from the, from the documentary on Amazon last season, yeah. uh, particularly, actually. When he looks at it, you think, yeah, he does look at the opposition. He doesn't just think about his own style no. of play. I think that's important as a manager. You know, it's important to have your own philosophy, but it's also important to, to make sure that you know your opposition well, to know where the weaknesses lie. And, <laughs> you know, football doesn't just die now that modern no, no. era's now in and everyone thinks, you know, Pep's a god. You, know, you do look at how things work out, and he has done that. And it's he has all, made those yeah. little changes. It's all specific. It's all measured. It's all precise. It's all done to the T because he's he's analysed the opposition and he knows what will work and what doesn't. It's all tailored to cope and um, to control that. And going forward with Everton, it, I would imagine it would go and revert back to the four at the back with Fernandinho in his normal role. I'd be very surprised if it wasn't, <clears throat> if it was anything else. Um, now, we haven't done a podcast since the Newcastle game, so although we're sitting after the Arsenal game, um, skipping, because City have won, and... Can we skip Newcastle game then? <laughs> yeah, forget that one, don't talk about that We obviously know that, um, you know, Liverpool dropped points at home to Leicester, um, but when you look back now at the Newcastle game, with a little bit of hindsight, knowing what was coming, it might skew your view of it, but you're shaking your head, Emily. No because it's not the way, I've said on Twitter, it's not the way that Manchester City do things. Because if we did it that way, that it would be too easy. So obviously <laughs> in an ideal world, we'd like it the easy way, like last season, yeah. like skipping to the league. But generally, it's not what we know, it's not what we're about. And it's it's just... It's not the City way, is it? It's not in the it. DNA, is it? No. So, I mean, I do look back, yes, it is a missed opportunity. What What happened? Your guess is as good as mine. I'm asking you. I was, I was, I was very, very upset after the game. But there was, there was a real mixed bag on social media. It was really interesting because it was almost half of the people were fuming and livid and and expressing their opinion and and saying, you know, this ABC went wrong and um, nowhere up to scratch. A high degree of complacency. And then Adam's favourite word of the moment. Literally. Word of the week. It's, oh, because don't that's what it was. Complacent. Because <laughs> they were complacent and they thought that by scoring an early goal about what 25 seconds in, that they could just pedestrian uh, in a pedestrian way walk to the 90 minutes without even accelerating, without a second, third, fourth gear. They thought that they could just... Cruise it. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other side of social media was like... Oh, you can't have that opinion. Yeah. Do you not know where we've been? Do you not know that Pep's our manager? Do you not, remember going to Do you that not side, know that Aguero is up front you know. for us? How dare you? And there was this almost like this battle of people trying to express their opinion because they were genuinely upset about the result and the performance and the way that the team played and the fact that only five of the actual players went away to the away end to applaud the fans who had gone there on a really snowy, cold night to live up to Newcastle. It's a Newcastle. good point that, I saw that quite a lot. Yeah. So with, with a good reason, people are upset at that performance. Just because we're in the position that we're in right now doesn't mean that we cannot be upset about a performance mm. like that because we're fully entitled to our opinion. 
but then the other side of the coin was people saying, no, you can't do that because, you know, just think back to the past, Look where think we how were far and, we've been, yeah, and it's yeah. so frustrating. Yeah. So a, a couple of weeks ago, the podcast before the Newcastle War, I did mention about complacency, and I hate, well, usually I love being proved right, it's, it's yeah. absolutely ace. But on this but time. On this time, it just did my head in, <laughs> because I'm like, I know that, I know that's what's going to happen. Well, I knew it was go what's going to happen after the first goal. Yep. Obviously, when when we won one nil up, I'm thinking what two or three nil half time or thirty minutes even take your players off because we've got so many fixtures coming up. We're trying to fight on yeah. so many fronts. Yeah, yeah. Let's just get the game done, get it finished. Take three players off. Any any of the three players that will do, you know, yeah, any yeah. three players will do. Just take them off, give them some time on the bench, yeah. and um, and make sure we're fresh for the weekend. And the fact that we just sat back and we, we just... Well, we didn't even sit back. We just chilled rather right. than sat back. We just chilled. And it, it, and that was exactly what I what I said had happened in the previous games that we'd lost. Yeah. And Same. I could see it happening straight away. And I hate I hated being prude, right? Yeah. Eventually, because I, I said it at the time. It annoyed it, it me. Was, it was a str I, didn't, I didn't go to the game, um, but I watched it on the television. Yeah, um, and, and it was the strangest, weirdest evening I've had for a long time. Because I'm sat listening to the comments. Well, start off with during the day, City put a tweet out with oh, 22 games. So that was since. arrogant, Matt. So I that was like arrogant, that. and I didn't yeah. like that. Yeah. Like they also put around the ground as well. They put things about, you know. It sets you up for a fall. Yeah. yeah. It makes you look stupid. And it's if so if anyone from City's listening to so, that, don't do that again. So, so we had, we had that on. And then I was listening to the commentators, and for once, the commentators were kind of pro City. Yeah. So they're, they're saying things all like, you know, like City, you know, it could be like four or five tonight and blah, yeah. you know, and all that. And it was just like surreal. And as the game, and we scored that goal dead early. And I just sat back and said to myself, we scored too soon. Yeah. And then when they when they equalised and I looked and Pep, Pep had given up. Now that Where normally he's, he's up and down that the touchline. Yeah. He looks that like he'd did. given up. And I'm just sat there thinking... What's going on here? But yeah. so much surreal here tonight. Didn't seem right. And then I thought, half time, it'll go in, it'll give him a kick up the backside, like pretty much today yeah. kind of happened, and they'll come out in the second half and we'll do what be City again. So and we came out and we Hanging shocking. on that word complacency, which yeah. which I, I think is a valid word. Um, do you know how to smell it, by the way? <laughs> ah, yeah. I, I, literally, every ounce <laughs> of my being, it's literally pouring from me at the minute. It does my head in. Somebody, oh. somebody texted, uh, tweeted me, um, or messaged me in some capacity on social media, uh, and, and actually said to me, have a word with somebody at City's social media team mm. about constantly putting things out like, you know, it's our 28th yeah. game in a row yeah. where we beat Newcastle. Yeah. Um, and I know, you know, this is something that seems to burn away with people. Um, I mean, do you, do you think that's a problem? Yeah. See, yeah, I do, but I also understand why it's there because you want to. It comes back to City being a global club and wanting to put themselves out as a great team, which we obviously are. So when you're when you're a great team and when you you're a great club, you want to promote that as much we as you can. You know, rooftops, but yeah, in any way, like you're a great if you're a great business. You can do in that general. by showing the Alano free kick. Show a replay of that Alano yeah. free kick. Yeah, we've, we've done that quite a lot. Pathway, yeah, yeah. you know, show highlights or mm. like gifts of past games, but don't bring out a stat that makes you look completely arrogant and sets you up to have egg on your face and mm. it sets you up yeah. for many retweets by other fans a, because it's I don't know if you noticed around, around the ground as well they have like the, 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 the stat and it'll yeah. be like you know the last time Pep played against Sean Dice's team they were, 
and it's the like social media people, is out people, of touch people, at the people club. from other teams have picked up on this how disrespectful it is, and I, yeah. I, don't, I don't like that. I don't, I don't, I don't like it. Yeah. There are times yeah. when that's not us as, as a fan no, base, no, you know what I mean? And that, and that makes people feel like that we're arrogant yeah, and things like that. When you're saying that, Adam, you're saying that, Adam, and I and I completely respect what you're saying, but of course I do a match day vlog, and the number of times before a game, and it was the same at Newcastle when I go and speak to people, and I don't I don't edit people. People can say what they want, and I don't have a negative or a positive well I suppose I have a broadly positive agenda yeah. but when people I actually challenge them and I'll go what, what do you think today oh four five nil and I, and I go really what makes you so confident and and I say I'm glad you're confident but four five nil and that's like every single time yeah. City crossed the whitewash and and Expecting it. you know I like to hear positivity but I would personally even though I might think it I wouldn't say that out loud. Now, that, that sounds terrible because somebody who's been on the vlog, who's mm. spoken out like that now, will be thinking, oh, I'm not going on that vlog again. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> yeah. um, but you do lend yourself to that. I mean, if it was me contributing a view on that, I'd be saying, I'm hoping for four or five nil today and I don't see why we can't do that. But, you know, let's respect you Newcastle. Know. They're a yeah. good team. Yeah. And, you know, we only beat yeah. them 1-0 last year and 2-1 yeah. at the Etihad. And yeah. they're fighting for the lives in the Premier I'd qualify it like that. Yeah. But, but the number of times I speak to people like that, so it's not just the club, mm. it's the fans or some fans. We started to get like that. I do yeah, feel yeah. we started to get like that. And, and, and I feel that, that that comes out in the stadium at times. I, I said a couple of weeks ago mm. that that complacency does run through the fans and maybe even begins with the fans because... When if you're a team that's coming out, eleven players, and you've got a low, you know, fifty-five thousand fans or whatever coming out, and then are up for it like they were for the Liverpool game, or up for it as we were today to an extent. Yeah, I do feel I like we, so, we, were, yeah. we were in voice today. When you're not, when the fans are up for it like that against a Palace, against a Leicester, if it was at home, then you're not. You're going to feel like it's a bit more comfortable. See, I completely disagree. I thought the atmosphere today was shocking. Do you feel absolutely terrible? I didn't think there was any atmosphere. Yeah. Maybe maybe the first five minutes, obviously, when we scored, there's an instant reaction. Apart from that, you could hear a pin drop. And I'm in the south yeah. stand where everybody stands. Yeah. And people standing are meant to generate an atmosphere and there was nothing. You could literally hear individual shouts from yeah. other stands. Yeah, that's how they were. And then yeah. again, they were taking... I, I don't care too much about the opposition taking the mickey out of that because Arsenal just stand on the on, on the terraces at the Emirates Stadium drinking latte. So who are they to judge yeah. us? With cushion right. seats, every single with one of them. With cushion seats, because yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there and I've seen it. But... Yeah. You no, know, it, it is. It we, is a problem. The atmosphere is a problem. Sometimes, though, we we sit there back as fans and go, "We'll go and entertain us then." Yeah. You know, and that's and, the issue for me. We yeah, should, yeah. we should make sure it should be us evoking the performance, not yeah. the performance evoking us. And I think in the past it's been about fans. You see it in Germany, you yeah. see it in countries like that. Yeah, yeah, it's the, yeah. it's the, the yeah. fans that then get the players going yeah. all the yeah. time. You see it at Anfield, but, yeah. you know, on European we nights. And to be fair, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I don't love the Pilkers. I hate, I hate them. I'm not going to flatter them. And in, in the league, it is a myth. But on European nights, they show up. The fans show up on European nights to me. I, I feel like they do. Well, and and they, they make sure that the fact that the players play up to that and that affects the away fans. And I feel like we do it at times, we do it against United, we do it against Liverpool. Certainly this time against Liverpool, I felt it massively. Um yeah. but I feel like there's too many times we wait for us to score a goal before we start, we start singing. Yeah. singing. And we yeah. should sing it. We should be singing as we do after we score from the off. 
Well, that's and where that, Liverpool have the edge in it because they only sing at the beginning, don't they? They sing the they karaoke yeah. song and then and then at the beginning, that's, that's it. it. They sing that really the loudly. State, the Irish state. They sing that, that really loudly. And then hopefully by that point, the, the team's going. So everyone remember, I, I watched the Leicester game this week. Uh, I don't normally watch the opposition, yeah. but I just no. thought, because there was nothing else on, I'll watch this game. And the atmosphere was was unbelievable. You could hear people talk. You could yeah. hear the players shouting. Yeah. So don't be giving me that about Liverpool's atmosphere well, anyway. Let's New, move on. Newcastle, <laughs> I'll get in trouble again. Newcastle, obviously, we've, we've bounced back today. Um, and there's so many games th this month, but Newcastle did worry me slightly. Because it just it, seeing Pep like that worried me. Something wasn't right. right. Why was it on the touchline? Right. Why wasn't he shouting? That did my head in. If I was the manager at our football club, I'd right. be on that touchline telling people to start going around. Why are we so complacent? Oh, no. oh my God! Oh, God I say, stop saying the words. You've been sponsored stop by saying the words. Dot com. That's <laughs> it. Exactly. I'm gonna set my own website up. It'd be great. It was quite an arrogant <laughs> performance, and people was. will say it wasn't. But you know, it was. It just it was. to explain, by the way, I don't know if you can pick this up, but we're over at a pub where there's obviously some music on downstairs. <laughs> so if you're wondering what's going on, it's a great soundtrack to our podcast. It's brilliant. It's nice, isn't it? It is. Yeah. If you can look around, it actually is. Yeah. No one here. Next. <laughs> so obviously we've talked a little bit about Newcastle, we talked about Arsenal and we're talking about atmosphere now, but I know that you've had a bit of a run-in today. Um, yeah, it was quite interesting, wasn't it? You know, I, I mean, it's funny because Robbie from Arsenal Fan TV is somebody who's had me on his podcast and I've been on that Channel 4 a Real Fan Show as well. So I get on okay with Robbie and um, I've... I've got an invite I think for a couple of weeks from now to go on it again so thank you very much to Robbie and he's on my vlog today but you met him separately independently to me today. not him to be fair he's a very nice guy I met him in the FA Cup yeah, uh, semi-final just before the game and he was dead nice got a photo with us and we had a chat mm -hmm. for a bit so this is nothing to do with Robbie he's ace to be fair so yeah, we're going to say something to do with him I went up to Arsenal fan TV when uh, we beat them at Wembley and had a joke with Claude um, and me and Adam my partner we watch it at home when they get only when they get beat because that's when it's entertaining. Um, <laughs> so we were driving across. Me, Ryan, and Adam were driving across from the stadium to come here to meet Adam, him. not a partner. A different Adam. There's two Adams. Adam. Two Adams. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and we saw a, like a, a crowd with the like the, the the camera with lit up. So I said, "That's Arsenal fan TV. Should we have a laugh and like park up and go over?" So I was just hoping to have a bit of a chat with Claude because he's my favourite, really, and he's, he's pretty sound. Um, and we got out of the car, we went over, I saw DT, on, and was chatting with DT. He seemed pretty nice, a decent guy. Yeah. We were mooching around watching the film and saw Robbie doing the interviews, and we got a bit, like, you know, we got in the background and giving it the biggins about City, so we'll be on, the, on there somewhere. Yeah. But then... It turned a bit sour because then um, there was one guy who was walking around with a scarf on his head. He was on. He was being <laughs> interviewed. Had to be an came, idiot, to be fair. Came over. With a scarf on his head. Yeah, not, not around his neck, like, let's just say. Like Literally draped across his head, so an idiot. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what he was called. You'll recognise him if you do watch Arsenal fan TV. Um, and we started talking about the you've got no history argument. So he came at me and Adam saying well what history have you guys got what have you got what have you got and then it kind of where's Gary James when you need him <laughs> I know that's, that's that's we'll have to get Gary James yeah, yeah. on a podcast he's great Gary yeah. with DT yeah. joining in and in the end we had a crowd of people around us filming it on the phones so we were giving it what for but their basic reasoning was that you've got no history if you haven't won the amount of trophies that we've won and we were saying trophies don't define you in your history 
you know, we've come from the bottom and come, we've won trophies in the past, but where we've come from, from Division Two as well, that's one hell of a history and one hell of a story to tell my children. So don't Same. come at me and tell me that it is solely trophies that define your history because I also said then... Ours is a more interesting history. Yeah, I yeah. could not agree more. I oh. mean, history, I'm, I'm sure Gary, if he was here, would say that history is... That, that a more varied journey than just one yeah. of winning every thing, single yeah. week. Mm. Uh, and frankly, if, if in the next 30 years, and whilst on one hand I think it'd be lovely if City won a trophy every year for the next 30 years, you know what, even you guys, you two who are younger than me and Paul, I bet, I bet 20, 30 years from now, if they were winning the league, you know, 20 times out of the next 30 and coming second or third in, you know, in between, would you not start to get a little bit bored with that? You know, because that, that, that doesn't give you any sort of a... Nothing to go towards. There's nothing to hurt. There's nothing you to don't, hurt anything. There's no character. Without being down in the There's walls, no character you don't enjoy the highs that's, aside. That's what I said to them. I was like, are you not bored now? Because where have you, where have you been? You've been, like, you, all you have is history, is what I what my argument was. All you've got right now is history. Because your owner won't... Spe they threw the money back at me. They said, oh, well, where would you be without your oil money? And I said, at least our club spends money because it's a business, because you have to invest to actually win. Speculate trophies. to accumulate. Exactly. So, and then DT came out with something um, about... Oh, Katie Price being up and down and all about, that type of stuff. You've been it's, more it's, up and down than Katie yeah. Price has. But, but that, was, that was as soon as the camera started going on him, you know what I mean? So he's yeah, a different he's type of guy. To, playing to the camera. You know, playing yeah. to the camera. Really, and that annoyed really me quite offended bad, actually, me, well. and it really upset me at that don't tell me that we've got no history yeah. because I've lived through the club's history. I've been there at the lowest point of the club's history and I'm here now at the highest point right now. Who are you to tell me? It was complete and utter arrogance. Yeah. And many people listening will be like, that's that's typical Arsenal fans, it's nothing new. But for me... I, I, I can liken this to the monarchy at the moment. So you've got the Queen, right? And yeah, she's done a great job. There's nothing major been happening and stuff. Who's the most? Who's the most sort of celebrated monarch? Henry VIII, because he had this really amazing history and he chopped people's heads off and all the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's he not necessarily. It's, it's not a great history. Yeah, he didn't win exactly. anything, did he? But at least you know it's more interesting than what our Queen has done at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> no, I agree. She's yeah. steadied the it's shit. It's not about how successful you've been. It's so about what, what, what you what did. What you judge yourself on? What happened? History. I, d I just don't understand this idea of. The, the definition of history in football is completely different to the, de to the definition of history, history in, in every yeah. other industry yeah, yeah. and every other form of life. It's yeah. like, oh, did you win trophies? Oh, you've got zero history. To say that is to wipe out so many hundreds of clubs' yeah. histories yeah. across the world. It's, so it's unbelievable. Don't, don't you know like the amount of teams that, that Arsenal might face in the FA Cup, in the League Cup, that have done so much and that haven't won a league or anything yeah, yeah. like that. Arsenal, do you use the fact that Arsenal had never been relegated as a fact that we haven't got a history and they have? The fact that Arsenal haven't been relegated, they've got a, a linear history. They've literally been there for ages. Because they've been in the Champions League every nothing. year. For... They, they fought with Leeds what, for a bit, what, what, when they were trophies. Arsene Wenger did really well for him. Arsene Wenger's great. I appreciate what he did. He's, you know, he was the type of that team that we grew up um, and, and, and watched and thought, wow, that's a great team. 
But apart from that, they've not really done that much. They're the invincibles. That's not, yeah. So we've done, we've done that one thing. The they've done that one thing. We've done that one thing, and we we've been fluctuated so much over the years. Like, I've not been alive for that I'll time. You, but wow, a team but what I we've done. A club I really like and admire. And you're going to think this is strange. Is Newcastle? Is Newcastle? <laughs> yeah. Right. Great fan base. Very, very loyal fan base. Yeah. I can see a lot of similarities with City in that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, proper working class, and I don't, I don't mean to make this a sort of working That's class versus yeah, people yeah. who've got more money, but nevertheless, you know, it's a coal mining city, you know, a city which has got a very rich history. I'm not mm. talking about the football club, yeah. but now, if Arsenal fans or any fans were looking at Newcastle, presumably they'd have a lot to say about Newcastle having no history because they haven't won a trophy for about Absolutely. 50 years. I don't think of it that way. No. I look at Newcastle no. and go, what a fantastic what a history. See, that, got. I don't even yeah. think Arsenal say that about Newcastle, though. No. Because Newcastle haven't won trophies in the last couple of years, so they don't see them as a rival. And it, 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 to me, it seems like as soon as a team like that who have had previous history and have won a few a few trophies now see themselves as average as they've said to us tonight that they see themselves as pretty average an average team yeah. or see themselves as rubbish which is claimed nothing to do with our yeah. nothing to do with our rubbish considering where we've been it seems like as soon as a team that has done that that just hasn't been there for a few years and has now just just showed up it seems like, yeah, out. they've got that history it's, card out. So Newcastle, they have respect for Newcastle fans. They go up there and they go, oh, I hope you know, I hope you do well. Good luck for the rest of the season and all that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But that's because that they're not a, a direct challenge. But if, if, if Newcastle, if they got an Arabona or something like that, and in the next five and years they, they were up for the title, they nearly, nearly got our own. As if yeah. Newcastle yeah. were in our position, and Arsenal fans would be saying the exact same as those Newcastle it's, fans. It's, it's that it's jealousy when, and it's, it's oh, when, it does my dim. It's when a team... They can't get us on anything. So they, they're nailing us for empty seats, they're yeah. nailing us for oil money, yeah. and they're nailing us for no history. Yeah. They can't nail us because we're playing rubbish football. They can't nail. Football, they can't. They can't nail anything else apart from. And Ian said that it wasn't a class debate. Well, it actually was because they brought that up as well. They said if this was us in the opposition, every game would be sold out. And I said, do not come at me and ever say that. Don't bring up the mm. empty seat debate because you don't know. We have a predominantly working class support. Mm. Who people have other commitments. Well, some people are saving for wide shelter. Wide boy city bankers, aren't they? Some people are saving for Wembley. Some people can only do London, certain games. London. The games are coming thick and fast. And I said to him, I'm sorry, but we're in all, all four competitions. So we've got a lot of games to pay for. Yeah. Yeah, so exactly. You pick and choose your games. I do, yeah. certainly. It's I can't afford every a game. a lot of money for, for families yeah. and, and individuals as well. So Harry Enfield had a character called loads of money, didn't he? And it's that's just, that's that's uh, Lunk Scout. That's, and that's what they brought That's up. them. That's the Cockneys. Loads of money. Yeah. Yeah, look at this. Just so, horrible. It's, it's not good enough. It's not. It, they can't go on about it. Right, another question that I've got here from... So, so I, I threw out sort of, you know, any questions you want us to talk about and Bolt from the Blue, which is does his own podcast, yeah. said, can City win ugly? I'm very So what do you think? I mean, I, 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 let, me, let me throw my cap into the ring with this one and say that City play in a way which it feels to me needs 11 players to all be completely on form, playing really well. In fact, every goal we seem to score is almost a perfect goal, yeah. which me as a fan, I love that. Yeah. I absolutely love yeah. it. The problem is that if somebody else, first of all, matches you, makes it difficult for you to score those perfect goals, there may be not be a plan B. Now, we saw what Mourinho was doing at United and 
Beautiful he, he used Marron Fellaini when they were struggling and they throw big balls up. Now, I'm not saying that City should do that, but that gave United a way of winning ugly. So, have City got a way of winning Did ugly? We, we beat Newcastle away last season, didn't we? Yeah, 1-0. That was an ugly win. 1-0 on that 27th. That was an ugly win last 15 season. 15 points clear when that happened. And it was yeah, a difficult game 15. as well because we were getting hacked all over the pit. There was a really, really dodgy tackle. I can't remember the player it was on. We were, we were debating it on a podcast. Uh, it was a potential leg breaker. I think it was on De Bruyne. It that, was. That game was an ugly win. Because was it, it Sane? We ground... We, we, we ground out the win because yeah. we had to. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know, I know. It's it's a good point that because I don't see a play. We don't. I know this is no disrespect to Sean Golter. I know he'll be listening, um, <laughs> but we don't have players that seem to shin him in and get him in off awkward things. You know, Sean had stick anything to be in fair, To be fair, Aguero in. put one in his, af- off well, his hand. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> not that yeah, he meant yeah. it, but... but it was a beautiful strike afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but you know what I mean? I mean, Sean just like, he'd stick anything, he'd stick his body anywhere and he'd score off his head, his shoulder, yeah. his knee. It didn't matter. We don't seem to have a player that's kind of really does that. You know, we haven't got some like a, a target man we can stick an Andy Carroll up front or yeah. a Peter Crouch we can knock a ball over the yeah. top just to literally get a goal. I, I do know what they're saying and I at the moment I don't think we can. So I was listening to Sam Lee, the goal correspondent, and he does regular videos after after matches and he was talking about plan Bs. And I do feel like we, we, we do have plan Bs. We, we do, it, it may not be as obvious as throwing the ball up to a big striker. But it, it's bringing other players on and, and taking off a defender, bringing on a forward. And we, as, as we mentioned before, we do set up differently for each each team. It's not the exact same way as we do set up. So in, in that way, I, I do feel like we do have a plan B. And in terms of winning ugly, we do that regularly with Fernandinho in terms of tactical fouls. We don't do it so obviously, but we do it... Fernandinho's only got four or five bookings this season. I couldn't believe when I saw it on Sky the other day when I was watching the game. Yeah. I'm thinking, I'm going, he should almost get a yellow card every single game. But he actually doesn't. He's only got four or five this season. I'm thinking, wow. Because he does do it so obviously and he's so nice to referees. I think Gary Neville mentioned it um, towards the middle of the season in, in December. He was talking about the fact that he's so nice. He goes, he's oh, I'm, I'm so sorry and all that type yeah. of stuff. Yeah. And he's so nice. He's, he's always so smiling. Yeah. So it's, yeah. about doing it, it's, it's about doing it the right way. Yeah. I, I do feel like we have got our ugly side to us, but we just hide it so well that actually people don't realise it. We're not Wimbledon yeah. <laughs> of the days. We're not, you know, we're not the crazy gang, but we do we do have that ugly side to us, and it is about matching that. But that Guardiola style of play, the, the beautiful game as we like to call it, uh, and, and Brian Clough played it in Forest. It, it was that way. It's you know keeping the ball yeah. on the ground, passing the football. That's the way we should stick to, but also tactical fouls is the way we win ugly. And mm. the best way to win a football match is the way we play it, playing it on the ground. And if you are good enough at that, you'll win every single game and you'll win as many as you need to to win the title like we did last season. We don't need to win ugly. If we're good enough at the way we play, yeah. we should be good we, enough to win lose, any game. We, we don't games, need to play we? ugly. Yeah. We don't, that's it. We never... That's it. A team it's never beats up. us. It's we always lose games. A team never wins against mm. us. We always lose it somehow. We always manage to drop our performance. 
If we play at full intensity, which I I know is not a possibility for the whole season, but if we are our is greatest that a flaw, side... Then? Is that a flaw? That, that this, I suppose this is the essence of what winning ugly, the debate is, yeah. that City have to play at their very best in every single game to for this system to work. And there's no doubt that when it works, it's brilliant. It's probably the best yeah. there is in football. But when it doesn't quite work, and you've just said there, it's, it's almost a throwaway line, but it's a very important line you can't do that every week so they played yeah. Newcastle last week Arsenal today Everton on, on Wednesday mm. then Three Chelsea later, yeah. you've got to play at that intensity in every game you've got that to have isn't a squad possible like, is yeah. it yeah yeah you've just got to have a squad that if you are going to try and play like that all the time which is the way Guardiola does it you've got to have a squad that enables you to do that and I feel like in the summer we didn't make the signings to enable us to play in that way we started the season with one left back and that was Mendy who didn't play all last season. So for me, that's like, well, hang on, how are you going to play in all four competitions all season? So then you think midfield, Fernandinho, were great going forward. We've got so many attacking midfielders. You think Fernandinho, he's going to turn 34 in May. Yeah. That's not sustainable for a whole season no. or four competition. He's not going to play no. every four but, days. But who would replace him? What? Who's out but there that can replace him? Well, somebody's better than no one. So even <laughs> for me, even a temporary, no, even a temporary See, film, no, somebody is better than no one. I disagree because it was proven in December that when we missed, we missed Fernandinho. Mark that, that Doran on Twitter said. Who would you like to have as Fernandinho's replacement? Frankie Young would have done it for in. me. Perfect. Frankie Young would have done it for me, but we didn't want to ruin the wage structure. So for me, that shows us being a bit. I don't know. I understand why the club's done it because it means that you know you obviously want to make sure De Bruyne, who is clearly our best player on on previous performances, is our highest paid player. You don't want to bring a 21 year old like Frankie De Young. At a higher point than, than De Bruyne, who's clearly virtually our, our Messi. But sometimes don't, don't you have to move the goalposts? Yeah, exactly. You move move to, the need goal to move the bar, don't so, you? So if sometimes... you're bringing in a Frankie de Jong, who is a clearly, clearly massively important player who would be, for example, for the next 10 or so years, you would then go, well, De Bruyne, Frankie de Jong's going to come in at this amount of money. You know, we're going we're gonna to raise your wages. Why, why can't we do that? Do you for think, me, it seems a bit tight in the transfer window. Do you think there could be something me? else going on here under the surface that we're perhaps not party to, which is that, with a, and I brought this up before, that because of the scrutiny that City are under with FFP, that yeah. actually City can't spend... You know, that yeah, they, they can't mm. spend. I mean, we're seeing so. players leaving. Rabbi Matondo went for 11 million quid. Mm. A player who's never played in City's first team. Yeah. Made his debut for Schalke yesterday, as we're recording this, on Sunday evening. Didn't get a touch, all right. Schalke lost at home. Uh, but nevertheless... That was relevant, good business then, wasn't it? 11 million <laughs> pounds, yeah. And, and, and Ian Acho went to Leicester a couple yeah. of years ago yeah. for 25 million. Yeah. You know, and hadn't played that much, really. And obviously, we've seen Jadon Sancho. We've seen Brahim Diaz. And other players move on and bring an income. In. So when we're looking at that and people are scrutinising that and people are saying, why is this happening? Why are we not keeping yeah. our young players? And I, and I might bring Riyad Mahrez in this, into this in a minute because people always bring Riyad Mahrez up. Somebody else has, has asked me to bring that subject up on this podcast uh, because that was the big signing that City made last summer. That's yeah. the reason why I'm bringing it in. But a lot of these young players have gone out um, you know, and you think, well, why, why didn't they just keep them and let them develop and, and, and whatever? Do, do, you know, I'm asking this as a question without knowing the answer to it. Under the belly, is there, is, is there actually a need for City to bring in cash? As the, perhaps as, as it got to the point where the, where the Sheikh says, right, I've financed you, you've got to where you've got to, you're breaking even, you're making a profit, 
you've got to go on your own now. Yeah. I'm still here fly, if you're desperate. Fly the nest, children. And, and FFP means that we're under such scrutiny that if you go out and spend two lots of 50 million on two more players, they might come down on us. So from now on, and, and, and obviously, you know, you look That's at Tottenham, point. you look at Tottenham and you think, well, they've got a new ground. So Arsenal, for years under Arsene Wenger, yeah, didn't really invest right. much. Yeah. The Arsenal fans got, got, got uh, frustrated, hence the emergence of Arsenal fan TV and everything. Yeah. And, and they're going, why are we not spending? What you forget is that they invested massively in a stadium. Tottenham are doing the same now. We've gone two windows without mm. actually investing. Mm. So City... Right now, are we looking at a team right. who are in a different place? Why don't a club? you need to look at that at the end of the season with the silverware? Because if we haven't spent and we haven't won anything, there's surely there's got to be a correlation there. Mm. Surely, because look at I mean, that makes sense with Arsenal, doesn't it? That's why they're not winning. You have it's not buying success, it's investing in in in. So do you believe City can't spend anymore? Or I'm barking up the wrong tree. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I'm not privy to like Caldoun's conversations, but I've never heard him mention. I, it. I do believe. Well, he's that, not gonna when mention. When he speaks it, to me, he don't mention Mahrez was the wrong signing. Mahrez to me was a luxury signing, and we needed a signing in to cover Fernandinho. Completely agree. Wrong... I think spending was done in the wrong way. Yeah. But I feel like if we can't spend that money because of financial fair play, we should know about that. For me. I feel like as fans... Yeah, but then you're telling all the other clubs. And so so when you come knocking on the door, they go, oh, they haven't got any money then. Yeah. You know, and you're telling no, all yeah, your I rivals, you know, yeah, hey, yeah. we can get them because they can't... But at the moment, there is still a perception out there that City can buy whoever they want. We've got all this oil money or something. Yeah. 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 No, that's but that, that's not the case. We're now self-sufficient. Yeah, and it's yeah. not, you know, if the shape was to disappear, we'd still be a self-sufficient club. Yeah. And we can bring our own money in. We don't need that shape man show money we needed in 2008, 2010. Yeah. Sometimes you do need to spend there. money, though. You do need to invest, and we yeah. do desperately need that cover for Fernandinho. No, like, look, look at Newcastle. They, they're a club who are, who are well, self-sufficient. Who, who would they need that? The... But Newcastle need that 100-odd million, 200 million injected into the club to get something. They are a self-sufficient club in a way. My worry after today as well, because we've, we spoke about the game today, about the Arsenal game, and we've not even really spoke about Aguero scoring his hat-trick. And I've got massive alarm bells of who do we get to replace Aguero because... That is not... I know there's loads of strikers out there, but it's Sergio Aguero. I know. So, I think, though... Jesus, I, I, Jesus I, well, isn't there for me. He's, he's not, he's not yet, but I think he will me. I think he's... He's, he's, a, he's still only young, isn't he? He's it, very we, young. We tend to look he's at him as, as an Aguero. 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 What's Aguero. 20, what is he, 21, 22? 33, so in football terms, he's an old Aguero, man, the, At least over 30, at least. Yeah. So, so he's an old man, so he's got another 12 years to be as good as Sergio, hasn't he? Yeah. You know what I mean? If you go off that. But, but, you, but you need someone in between for me. I, I feel like, yeah. Him. So you've got Aguero, who is the wrong side of 30. And then you've got Gabriel Jesus, who's just past 20. Can you for me, you've Aguero? got to have someone that's in between for me. Can you like, in the Aguero private life, you know I mean? and us not replacing him? But, you need, you need no, someone there. But no if we're only playing one up front... Not replace Aguero. No, but I'm saying for only playing one up front, that gives limited opportunities not to strikers coming in. So, you know, for argument's sake, we bought Harry Kane, just throwing it out there. Yeah. Not, you know, there's no inside information there. <laughs> <laughs> if, 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 we, if we bought Harry Kane, for argument's sake, so then whoever's playing Sorcerer's Apprentice, like he has done, uh, you know, um, uh, Jesus has played un behind um, uh, Aguero. So, 
if we get Harry Kane, I know, but if we get Harry Kane in to take over for Maguero, then he's still playing Sorcerer's Apprentice again, so he's going to get fed up. So he's yeah. going to go because he's not getting game time. So at some point... He was clearly we've brought only played, to take over. But we're playing one up front. That, that can be the, the problem, I think. Yeah, we're playing 4-3. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we, we do have flexible formations, but we never do tend to play two strikers, do we? So I feel like the Jesus signing, I don't know. It was a real understudy signing, wasn't it, for Sergio? Yeah. And when Sergio goes, we do need someone else. We do need someone to step in. And take over, and I don't know who that's going to be, and that's what's the that is a that is a worrying a thing, definitely. Point. And equally, you know, Fernandinho, yeah. you know, we all of us together can't pull out, you know, maybe a Dombele for Leon, and and someone maybe more noise about European football will bring up a couple of other players. But for me, there's no one. Sebastian Rudy's been away. mentioned at Schalke. Yeah. I watched him yesterday. I, as you know, I've got a bit of an allegiance yeah, to yeah. Schalke, and I was watching him, and I, he, he was at Bayern Munich, and he's on loan at Schalke, yeah. and I thought, nah, nothing. He's not going to yeah. bring anything special. You've got to have someone that can go forward, who can play those passes, just like we've seen Fernandinho do out wide, but equally over the top as well. But also be that firefighter who, as soon as in transition. A team wins it off us, which is rare, but it does happen quite a lot. Particularly in the Champions League, will happen a lot. Who can then spot those fires and make sure we, that the counter attacks stop? It's a very diff- it's, it's a massive gap to fill that. Yeah, a, a lad who has the experience, but also the youthfulness to be able to get around the whole yeah. pitch. The it's trouble, massive. The, tr- like, the trouble we'll, is, we'll only realise after yeah. Fernandinho's gone how amazing he was at his position. I feel mm. the trouble with these specialist positions, and I probably would say goalkeeper defensive midfielder and striker in a one-striker system are the three that fall into the category that you're talking about. So you can rotate players in other midfield roles, central defensive roles, even to a certain extent fullback roles, but because um, you only ever have one defensive midfielder, one main striker and one goalkeeper, how do you rotate those without saying to a player, um, you know, in other words, you can't keep Murich happy, you can't keep yeah. Bravo happy, you can't mm. keep Grimshaw happy if predominantly you're going to play Edison in every game. Same with Fernandinho, same yeah. with Aguero. <clears throat> so Jesus yeah. um, cannot be happy because he, you know, he rarely plays. Whereas with other positions, like Gundogan, he can come in and play a defensive midfield role, then he can play in a more advanced role. He can have Sterling on the left, he can play him on the right as a false striker. There's all sorts of ways that you can accommodate all these other players, but you can't, well, perhaps (laughs) I'm proving my own argument wrong here, because Fernandinho played in a slightly different role today, but you can't say, all right, Edison, and I know some fans will say, sure, you could play midfield today so we can give uh, Bravo when he's fit. And again, same with Aguero. So those are the ones it's hardest to keep and understudy happy. I suppose that's the bottom line is what I'm saying. It is. is. And I mean, the, the only way you can do that is if you completely have a team formation change. So, you know, if you're picking specific team, a team to play, like today, should we say, should we argue today, um, you could have rested Fernandinho perhaps today. You may have been out of take. I know Aguero scored three goals. You could have maybe not played them three. So, you, you, all right, your goalkeeper, I think, is a gimme. But them key players... You could not play them, but you'd have to change the whole team around it. So you won't have to just make them two changes. You'd have to make a lot of other changes. Oh, here's a follow-up question. Sorry, Adam. No, it is that City play Everton now on Wednesday night, yeah. and then they play Chelsea on Sunday. So we've seen what the team was today. We've seen who played 90 minutes. 
uh, obviously some of these players played at Newcastle as well. Is there a need now to rotate Everton or Chelsea in those key positions? Uh, and if you know what, what would be the team? I'm not asking you to go through all eleven, but you know what, what changes might you make at Everton? You see, that's so difficult I because to me, you, you've got to play, you've got to play Aguero at Everton, you've got to play Aguero at Chelsea, you've got to play Aguero at home sorry, yeah. against Chelsea, you've got to play Fernandinho. Away Everton because historically we're not great. This proves my point, really. Yeah, it it? does. It does. I agree. At centre half, you know, we saw Otamendi play today, so you bring in Stones. The Stones didn't start. Bring in Sane. You've you've got that side, but but that's still not to do with your your core. Sterling and go out for you. After the last, after after the last two games. But they're not those core three positions that you were talking about. Yeah. Keeper, centre defensive midfielder yeah. and goalkeeper. So it's everywhere and, and else that you're rotating. So it's everywhere else you're yeah, rotating. Yeah. You're thinking, but the thing I was going to mention before that Pep ideally has players all across the pitch that can play in every position you bring in. Laporte, who can play full-back, play centre-half. He brought in Jesus, who can play forward, but also can play out wide. We saw that when Aguero under Mancini, Mancini tried to fit in Balotelli, Dzeko and Aguero in the same team. It never worked because Aguero was no good out wide. We knew that. And it never happened, never worked. And Pep knows that too. He can't play Aguero out wide. And that's why he's always felt like Aguero, to me, has never really fitted fitted it greatly because... He's great going forward, we know that, but out wide, he's never going to be able to swap it around. Um, he's that. okay temporarily. He said that, he was out wide a hell of a lot yeah. today. To be I fair, was, he, do, he does switch around quite well uh, <laughs> throughout the game, but as an actual winger, he's never there. But Jesus has played out wide completely. He did it at United in the derby last year, Old Trafford. He played out wide, and I think Sterling played forward. Mm. Um, and he played really well there. And I think he tries to sign players who are great in lots of different positions and ideally for him it is that that them little different positions and tweaking here and there and being able to bring in stones and being able to bring in sane is the luxury of the squad that we have um it it can be almost an embarrassment of riches sometimes like like just mares for me is a big question would you play mares in any of these two games coming up everton away you play him at everton i play him at everton no. Emily, you say no. He's got a point to prove. I'd, I'd use him uh, from the bench and, and you know, to see as a player. We signed him for £60 million. Pound, I, I, I just I, feel like, you know what I mean? He needs... He, needs, he probably will <sighs> It's hard, but... Uh, he needs it's a hard to say, team, but I play, I was going to say, team. a so player you, needs a few games yeah. in a team. He's probably... I'm going to say, I wouldn't play him against Chelsea, that completely disproves my point, but I feel like... With rotation, he needs to play against Everton. Mm. So, if you were to say his strongest, our strongest eleven doesn't include Mares, well, then you would say our strongest eleven plays against Chelsea. He doesn't play against Everton. Typically. So, so you're saying so Chelsea is a tougher against, game than Everton? I say Chelsea at home is a tougher game than Everton away. On paper. Um, on the last couple of years when we played there, before that we were bloody awful at Everton. The old, the, last old, few the, old, years, the old City fan in me is not looking forward paper. to Everton. Ever, Everton away to um, I think, Chelsea's the, Chelsea, I think at Chelsea at home is an easier game than Everton yeah. away, to be honest. I, I, I'm i not confident about Everton. Where are you on Mahrez then? Mahrez is one of them. It's like we've just talked. I think Mahrez needs to play games. He needs to be in the, in the, in the line of starting for the next couple of matches. Whether it's these next couple of matches, I don't know, but he needs a run in the team and just to get on it. Just to get on you, it. You could be Pep's chubby older brother, couldn't you? you know, Very well, people have off. said that. <laughs> Andre Agassi or this Pep club. Well, yeah. So, so yeah. You, you're picking the team on Wednesday. You're not driving home, Ian. <laughs> you're picking the team on Wednesday yeah, yeah, night. Yeah. Who's in it? Um, you don't have to go through the 11, but who's in it? 
what are the key players that are in it? You've got you, you've got your Fernandinho, your Aguero up front, your uh, Edison in the goal. I will play Mares on the right um, and Sane on the left. So you'd rest uh, Raheem I'd, Sterling. Sterling for me has had a couple of t- shockers, and yeah, I don't yes. think it was for want of not trying. It's just not come off for him. So I think you know if we're thinking about keeping players, everybody happy. Then I think you've got to think. Well, he's not. He's had a couple of games. He's not played too well. Second out of the firing line because he was getting a bit of grief off the fans again today around me. It was so crazy, pretty much but... the same team that played today. Yeah. But with uh, Mares playing instead of Sterling. Yeah. But then if you fit in Sane in, somebody else has got to go out. You've got Bernardo. Fernandinho doesn't get a break. Fernandinho doesn't So then you bring Stones back in. Yeah. So you're yeah. saying Stones comes back in. Yeah. Goes back to a back four. Yeah. Four. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw Mendy sitting in the. Um, Tunnel Club today. I bet you did. I, 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 Pep said on Friday. <laughs> Pep, Pep said on Friday that everybody was fit except Vincent Company, and Mendy had returned to training for two days. Now that doesn't feel to me as if he's going to start at, uh, at Everton. I know he'll have another couple of days, so he'll have been training for four or five days. That feels to me as if he's going to go to a left back. He's going to go to Fabian Delph or Zinchenko or Danilo. God. Now Danilo is thrown out of the team today. Does that mean he was blamed for what happened at Newcastle? I thought he had a mare, me. Yeah. He'd have a mare. Amongst others, I feel like he's done all right. He wasn't the only one. He wasn't the only one. He had a bit of a mare, I thought. I feel like Danilo's been been better in that position than Dinchenko and and Delph has. I know he had a bad game that day, but previous to that, I feel like he's better going forward. Obviously, better going forward than Delph, because Delph just doesn't go forward when he's in that position. Dinchenko is good going forward, but he's not as good defensively as Danilo is in that position. I feel like Danilo is a good mixture between Delph and Jinsenko in that position mm. so for me I would be playing I would play Danilo there um, yeah, I, I do believe as I've said before we should have bought a left back in summer we should have bought a right back in summer not convinced by Walker not been convinced by him by, but uh, how much money have we season. spent on full backs well it's been poor hasn't it really but for me that, now, I, now you're getting to the point where it's, it's, been it's poor. Pets, full money? backs and it doesn't matter who the manager is, we got once they've got them. their own people in, yeah. they're reluctant to admit they got it wrong, if, yeah. if that's what you're saying. A great manager admits yeah. they got it wrong and changed it. Just like he did with Bravo. He did it with Bravo. Because he admitted he got it wrong and he changed it. The first season, so he clearly must believe that Edison, the first season uh, that, that here, it wasn't Walker's his good team, enough. so he, he had some leverage. You know, he I think, could get away with it. I think Walker's, I don't, again, I don't, he just seems to have gone off the boil. His head own. goes. Like Ryan, I think, last year said to me, to happen he, has, he has in... brain farts all the time. Yeah. He just, <laughs> you know what I mean? He just, t- he just, whenever he gets the ball, he's not a great passer of the ball. He's great going forward. As great soon as he gets speed. the ball, he tends to, yeah. the only good, the only ball he can play is from his full-back to the opposite full-back or the winger. He's great at that. Mm. He can play that he all day long. He got a couple of decent blocks in today, important blocks, that early Defense on as well. well let, let's wrap it up now and say that, uh, uh, and obviously I don't want to end on a negative, City have just won. They've beaten Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were going to tell, right? did you? And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and at the beginning of the podcast, we were all very positive, I think, and I, I yeah, certainly yeah. enjoyed yes. today's game. It was, it and was I thought the second-half performance was as good as, as anything, and some yeah. of the football was magic. So I'm confident now going forward, but... I must admit, going to Merseyside on Wednesday, it doesn't fill me with excitement. Uh, yeah, I'll be there and I'll be excited yeah, in a so way. I'll be there. But yeah, I do, yeah. there's an element, yeah. little element of fear about it, I must admit. And then Chelsea, one week they're losing to Bournemouth, mm. the next week you they're don't putting know what you're five get, past, you know, and you think, mm, not sure what we're getting next week. So, but I, sure overall, does, I reckon. overall, I think City have, have had a good 
weekend, obviously. They've narrowed the gap now to Liverpool, put a bit of pressure on them. Yeah. By the time you're listening to this, they may have already played West Ham. But either way, City got to Everton with a chance to play a game ahead of Liverpool yeah. and put that extra bit of pressure on. So thank you very much. Uh, thanks for the accompaniment of the music that you can possibly... <laughs> it's a soundtrack. It's a soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and thanks very much to, to the three of you for, for being here. Oh, uh, we're going to record the next podcast next Monday night, so just over a week from now. Uh, just bear in mind, as you listen to this, that uh, we, Emily and I sat down with Andy Morrison, the former City skipper, um, last week and recorded an in-depth one-hour uh, life story really interview with him which hasn't been uploaded as a podcast yet and I'm just waiting until at the moment we're on SoundCloud and who knows by the time you listen to this we may be on other platforms but I'm working to get this podcast on other platforms um, once it is then we're going to post up the uh, Andy Morrison podcast which I'm promising you will be unmissable it, it really is good stuff so thanks very much to the guys thanks to D&W Cars um, who support this podcast and we'll do it all again next week. Hope you have a good week.